There's nobody, le- there's nobody like him. There's nobody better. We quickly forget that. And it's good to be reminded. And it's good to have a song and teach each other. There's nobody better. During the announcements, Marissa mentioned that there's no after hours during June and July. I'm hoping that that hit many of you with a, oh, that sucks. I hope it just hit you like that. Like, not, not because I'm wanting you to suffer and I'm sadistic, but because I want you to value after hours and I want you to feel the, the loss of that. But we have your back. There's a reason that we're not doing it. And it's, a, it's just really June and July are just difficult with scheduling and everything that's going on. And the reality is that we need every year, we, do, we take a month or two break because it's a lot of work. And, and sometimes we just need a break. But we got your back. We're going to do something to help you. First of all, we're not canceling church during June and July. So you can still come on Sunday morning, and you can do your own after hours. You can, you can do that. And you can even call me and say, can you explain this or something like that? We can do your own after hours. Secondly, we're not canceling live after hours, so we're still going to do that the last, sun, last Tuesday night of each month. So the last Tuesday night in June and the last Tuesday night in July we're going to do the live after hours. That streams if you can't make it, but if you can, come over to Ashley's house, have a snack or a cookie and a drink and chat with us. We did it once already and it was a good time. It was it was helpful and thoughtful and worth doing. Then we have one more thing, and that is because you're going to have a little bit less of just your impact with our delivery of the word, we're going to give you during next week and the following week, each day, Monday to Saturday, a five to seven minute mini podcast done by the After Hours crew on our big questions this year. Who am I? Who are you? Who are we? Who are they? And we've taken those four questions, who am I? Who are you? Who are we? Who are they? And taken a riff on each one of those questions and take five, ten, five to seven minutes probably on, on a night just talking about it. Lisa, Ashley, myself, John, um, involved in that. And so they're going to be coming out next Monday, a week from tomorrow, and just on, on our podcast channel. And you'll be able to hear that. But we want you to do something with them. And here's what we want you to do. We want you... First of all, look around. Look around, look around the room. Look at whoever's here. Go ahead. There's not so many of us that you'll, it'll take too long. You can probably see and reiterate everybody in a short time. We want you to pick somebody who's not your wife or your husband or your best friend or your brother or your sister, literally. We want you to pick somebody, potentially somebody that you probably wouldn't talk to this week, that week, and we want you to pick somebody, and we want you, the two of you, to partner up and call, coffee with, or text, or WhatsApp, or something with that person every day, or every other day, or at least a couple of times during the week, on, and say, this is what that made me think about. 
that mini podcast. Listen to it. It's five to seven minutes long. And then afterwards, talk, text, WhatsApp, something, Discord. I don't know what you want to do. Facebook message if you're still involved in that evil cabal. But um, um, just talk with each other and, and, and just touch base and say, what did you think of this? Or I was thinking about this. Or this made me think of this. And, and just chat a little bit so that the, so we have this percolating action. We have this motion, motion of the word. And that will happen every Monday to Saturday for two weeks. And then in July, I, the plan is that I will give you something longer to deal with in podcast version. So this week, we would like you to choose somebody. And, and you kind of have to let them know and be involved in it. You can't just, you know, call them up and say, I've chosen you and you're going to hear from me every, every day. But get together and chat about it and say, would you like to just share an email, a text a phone call, a coffee, a beer on let's just talk about what we heard at least every other day or something like that. And if you have trouble doing that and you can't find anybody, you can let us know, us being the elders or the podcast, the After Hours crew, and we'll help you do that. We'll, we didn't want to assign it to you. We didn't want to say, here's your assigned partner for the week. But if you need help, we, we will assign We'll, we'll do that. So if you need help with that, uh, let us know, okay? Any questions on that? So you're all going to do it. Got it. Silence is affirmation. Only that were true. Okay. Uh, turn to your feet. Yes, Charlotte. Pick one of the four... Oh, that's a really interesting question, Charlotte. I'm Can you pick one of the four podcasters? Lisa, Ashley, myself, or John Kay are involved in that. None of them are here. <laughs> None of them are here. Uh, Charlotte, can I get the chief podcaster who you're related to? to call you back or text you back on that? Uh, all right. Would you turn to Ephesians chapter 4? Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm going to take it up at verse 26. Well, we'll put, take it verse 25. Ephesians 4 and verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. 
And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for giving to us helpful tools and practical instruction how we can grow and how we can feast and how we can delight in you, in each other because of you and live with optimism and hope and live with confidence and faith and live with love in this world. Thank you for this. We fail miserably at it so often, but we pray for your grace, we pray for help, and we pray for the desire to grow within us for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, having read Ephesians 4, let's go back to Colossians chapter 3. And look at verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving God the Father through him. Last week, we looked at these verses and the verses just ahead of them, and we talked about dressing the part. We talked about how what you wear makes a statement about who you desire to be. It doesn't make you that person, it's an expression of who you are. And Paul tells us, as an expression of who you are, these are the things that I should see in your life. The things that I should see in your life, again, listed here, are the things that remind me who you are. We don't do them so that we become that. We do them because we are that. We don't add to our life, and look at the list there, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, meekness, and patience, forbearance, forgiveness, and love. We don't do them so that we will become a loving, compassionate person. We do them because we are loving, compassionate people. And this is really hard because the truth of the matter is we spend a lot of time aware of how not we are. Compassion. Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Raise your hand if you are 100% of those things. You could raise your hand for compassion and kindness and humility, and your hands go down, right? And meekness and patience, because you're already tired of the question. We are not that. We spend a lot of time aware of how miserably we fail at these things. But Paul tells us to wear them because it's who we are. 
Paul tells us to wear them because this is what we have. This is who we have been made in Christ Jesus. And he says, don't put on your old clothes. Don't go back and put on the stinky, smelly, useless accoutrements of your former life. Dress new. Live new. You're a new person. And because you're new, these things will be in your life. We're going to look at then at the key way, the key thing that we have to understand to have this ability, to have these signals, to have this demonstration of who we are. Look at those, look at that list. Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forbearance, forgiveness, and love. What can you all immediately see that's common to all those things? Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forbearance, forgiveness, and love. There may be one or two in there that you kind of struggle on, but what's, what's evident about this list? Can you live by yourself compassionately? Can you be kind to yourself? Well, yes, everyone on the internet says that's where it starts. It starts with yourself. Okay, fine. We won't argue that right now. Might argue that with you at some point. But if kindness is for yourself, can it end there? Can you say, for example, well, I may not be kind to others, but I'm certainly kind to myself. And, and is that a, a positive? Do people go, oh, well, okay then. Um, you're, you're really miserable to everybody else around you, but you treat yourself well. Good for you, good for you. No, compassion, kindness, even humility, these are things that we can't do alone. You think, well, I could be humble alone. Well, how, humility works when we're thinking about ourselves less, which means we're thinking about others more. Humility isn't thinking little of yourself, it's thinking about yourself little. So you need someone else. Meekness requires you to respond to someone else. Meekness is the response of, I don't need to lash out, I don't need to defend, I don't need to conquer. Forbearance and forgiveness and love, we can't do any of these things alone. So do it again. We had to do this earlier. Look around the room. Look around. In this room is, are the most important people for your Christian growth. The most important tool in your life for Christian growth is right here. It's here. Because without each other, we can't do any of these things. Compassion Kindness, humility, meekness. I always forget this next one. Patience. Well, how could I forget that? Forbearance, forgiveness, and love. We need each other for those things. Now, think about that for a second. Because as you did that, as you looked around, you thought, oh no. I am in big trouble if these are the most important people in the world for my Christian growth. I need a new church fast. I need a new community post-haste. 
because I can't believe these people. Well, actually, that's proof that you're in the right place. Because all of these requirements for living with each other are requirements that require that one of you is hard to live with. If you have to be compassionate, you're compassionate to somebody who's difficult, who's broken, who's in trouble, who's maybe not so compassionate towards you. A perfect example is patience. It takes a lot of courage to pray to God for patience. Because how will you get patience? Through tribulation, through strife. By being thrust into situations where your natural reaction is to be impatient. How will you learn forgiveness? You will have people doing things that need forgiving. You won't learn forgiveness if everybody around you never offends. If we live with peaceful, inoffensive, innocent, immobile wax statues, we won't have to forgive. But as soon as we move, as soon as we do, as soon as we perform something, we run the risk of offense. We also, because of who we are, sin. I was talking about this with Kathy this week, about somebody who did a bunch of things, and in the bunch of things were two or three things that I thought, oh, I wish you hadn't done that. And we talked about that, but I said, you know what? This person who's doing these things is doing something. And one of, one of the biggest frustrations we have is that people aren't doing. They just kind of float through their Christian life. And here's someone who's working hard, trying hard, activating so many things, and in so doing, rubbing shoulders the wrong way sometimes. Doing. We will not learn forbearance if somebody doesn't rub us the wrong way. Now, what's the difference between forbearance and forgiveness? Forgiveness is where you say, I'm going to pay down this sin myself. I'm going to bear the price of your sin. You're going to bring me repentance and I'm going to give you forgiveness. You're going to see your sin and I'm going to show you your grace. I'm going to pay. I'm not going to make you pay. I'm going to pay. Forbearance isn't the same thing. Forbearance is, you know what, we don't need to pay for this. It's no big deal. It just does, really doesn't matter. Forbearance isn't something we do to somebody who says, no, I've sinned against you, please forgive me. You don't say to them, no, that doesn't matter. You say, no, I forgive you. But sometimes they're not even aware they've done anything, and it just really doesn't matter, right? It just doesn't matter. A man was telling me two weeks ago, a woman who cut him off in traffic, and he chased her down over four blocks and then spoke to her because she had done that. And I said, you are a dangerous man, and you should not do that. So what? So what? Let it go. 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 Now, we don't say let it go for sin. We don't say let it go for major intrusions into one another's life. They require repentance and forgiveness. 
But forbearance, forgiveness, love, compassion, meekness, all of these require each other. And if you're like me, sometimes you think that life would just be better without anybody else in it. I was joking with Kathy yesterday about, I'm so tired, and looking at taking a little bit of time off, and I thought, oh, Kathy, I'm just going to, I'm going to go away to Alaska and hunt grizzly bears. I'm actually not going to do any hunting, and I really hope I don't run into a grizzly bear, but the idea of being alone, which was kind of offensive to her, and she forbeared with me, but uh, I just thought, oh, I just want to be alone. I want to be alone. We worked that out, but I get the impression that my life is made miserable by people. Pastors' lives are made miserable by people. Just like farmers' lives are made miserable by their animals. Now, we wouldn't do anything about it. We wouldn't change it. We want more. But the expression for a church is more sheep, more manure. That's, that's how it works. And... That's good for me. That's one of the reasons that I grow as a Christian, because of you. And that's one of the reasons that you grow as a Christian, because of each other. And that's what we're doing with each other. So it's unpleasant joy that we have in community. All of these things require hard commitment to growth. This is what I want. Because in all this, we put over love and verse 15 thankfulness. Be thankful. He says, forgive as God has forgiven you. He says to the Ephesians, this is what you are doing. You're putting away lying. You're putting away impatience. You're putting away those things and remembering what God has given you. We don't enter into our Christian life going, okay, it is day 15,004. Here I go. I'm going to try to be patient. Oh, these people. I'm going to try to be patient. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forbear. No, we enter into each day thankful that God has forgiven us. Thankful for the mercies of God that are new every morning. Thankful for the light and the grace and the love and the delight and, and, and the joy of God. <coughs> and we start each day in that joy, and then it's easy to forgive and forbear and be humble and be meek and be compassionate because we're joyful. Think about the difference between you on your worst, most miserable, most, most, oh, I'm so tired, I can't do another thing, I just need quiet, I just need peace, I just need the door shut between me and the rest of the world and how you respond in that moment to somebody annoying you and the day when you're just full of thanksgiving and you're full of joy and it's like the best day ever and it's just great and it's so wonderful and somebody does something that annoys you, do you see the difference in how you respond? And the second day you go, it's no big deal. And you smile and you say, I love you. Forget about it. Forget about it. But on that first day, it's like, you know, ooh. And Paul says, no, this is... This is how we enter into it. We enter in with thanksgiving. We enter in with the joy, the preparation of a thankfulness, awareness of how much we've been forgiven. And then, it's always on. Do you know somebody who has a passion that's always simmering in their life? 
Maybe they are all about family. Maybe it's a mom who can't wait for an opportunity to share news about her kids. Or maybe somebody who's just a devoted follower of one basketball team. And they can't wait to share with you news of the basketball team and the trades and whatever is involved in that. Or maybe it's someone who has a political cause and they see everything coming up. And you know that it's not like they have to talk about that thing all the time. You know that's not the case. They don't always talk about that. But you also know that if it comes up, if it prods them, if somebody asks the question, hey, how are those Maple Leafs doing? That they're going to get an excited, full, passionate, and maybe long answer, long involvement. Because it's simmering. Because it's there. It's, it's like pressurized. It's at the surface. This is the way we ought to be about Jesus. Not that every conversation needs to be Jesus-oriented. Not, the, not that every conversation has to have the gospel in it or it's useless, but that it simmers beneath the surface of our life, and if we just prod it a slightest bit with sin or with memory or with delight or with hope or with love, it erupts. And we love to share, and we love to preach, and we love to teach each other, he says, in psalms and hymns, admonishing one another with all wisdom, with thankfulness in our hearts to God. In Philippians, no, sorry, in Acts 16, Paul's at Philippi, and there's the story of the Philippian jailer. And one of the things we read in Acts 16 is that Paul and Silas and their team are imprisoned, they're they're in jail in Philippi for preaching the gospel. And that night, there's an earthquake, and God opens the doors of the prison, and the jailer is ready to take his life because it's forfeit, because his prisoners will no doubt have escaped. And he's told, no, don't do that. We're here, and they're singing hymns to God. Now, surprising things in that. It's a surprise that they didn't all run when the doors opened. It's a surprise that the earthquake opened up all the doors. But isn't it a surprise that when they were unlawfully and unjustly imprisoned for their faith, that they were singing hymns, singing praise, delight to God. They were happy what do you think it would have been like to have traveled with Paul on the missionary journeys? Seriously, think about it just for a second. What would it have been like? A lot of walking. Covered a lot of what is present-day Turkey. And then a lot of what is present-day Europe, Midwestern Europe. A lot of walking by foot. A lot of trouble. A lot of heat, a lot of, I don't know where we're going to stay tonight, a lot of camping out. But seriously, what on a day-to-day, moment-by-moment, hour-by-hour basis, what would it have been like? It would have been a blast. It would have been a blast because 
Well, look at these people. They are in prison unjustly, and they can't stop singing. They're singing. Not because they're in this kind of hyper-spiritual, morbid place, but because they are constantly erupting with thanksgiving, with joy. Have you been with somebody who's just constantly erupting with delightfulness? Especially, have you, <coughs> have you just looked at a young child who is just in, amazed at the world and amazed at you and amazed at your gifts and responds to everything you cook and everything you make and go, wow, this is awesome. You're awesome. Life is awesome. You say, I don't know any children like that. But when you do, do you smile? Do you go, yes, yes, that's awesome. That's, that, <coughs> that was where Paul lives. That's where Silas lives. That's where we would live, where we're traveling with him or with Jesus. What would it have been like to travel up and down Palestine with Jesus, with him? Paul says to the Ephesians, don't be drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And then teach each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The way that it's phrased, it's like suggestive that, you know how people get when they're drunk? You've heard of it. You've never seen it. You've never encountered somebody, but you've heard of it. They're drunk, and so they're not responding with the kind they responded a little bit muted to the problems, and it's just so much like overflowing affection and love. I love you so much, and this is so awesome, and this is so great. And Paul says, don't do that. Strong drink and drunkenness is not for us. Drunkenness is not for us. Don't do that. Do that in the spirit. Do that as in, let the thankfulness of God so permeate your life that people go, are they drunk? When the day of Pentecost, the wind came upon them and the fires and the spirit of God moved in, the response of the crowd as they began to speak was, they're all drunk. That wasn't simply because they couldn't be understood, but because they seemed so happy. (coughs) They seemed so transported They seem so like, wow, we should be thrilled. We should be happy. We should be full of simmering delight with thankfulness. And that means that you start every day rehearsing the gospel. It means you start every day before you get out of bed and you rehearse the gospel and you think of what you're thankful for. And that means before you come to church, that means before you have coffee with your partner, your mini podcast after hours partner, that you rehearse your thankfulness because you want to, you want to simmer with thanksgiving. You want to have that, that just boiling near the surface of your life, the grace and mercy of God. It's always there. It's fun. It's delight. It's joy. And Paul says, put it on. Go for it. I recommend, I have done this before, but I recommend Ann Voskamp's Thousand Gifts. I haven't read any of her more recent books, and I should, because if they're as good as that book, it'd be worth reading, it'd be worth delighting in. But in that Thousand Gifts, she just, she just is full of bubbly joy. And even as she talks about really painful, painful things, and reminds us to come with thanksgiving 
into our life. Be thankful. Be with each other. We need each other. And we need each other with thanksgiving and the drunkenness of God. Let's pray. Help us, God, to believe and live. In this we ask. Show us this life and call us into it, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.